Welcome to the Workshop Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and this is the last episode of 2023. And I am joined today by my favorite repeat guest. Your only repeat guest. You're not. That's why you say things like, you're my favorite son, because I only have one. I've had multiple repeat guests at this point. Oh, have you? I have. I listen to all your podcasts. I know. I'm crushed. You're basically like, you're basically like the guest host. Yeah. Secondary host. One who occasionally shows up. Yes. I don't know if I've said this, but it's my wife. My wife is joining me for the 2023 wrap-up, podcast wrap-up thing. Do we get to wrap anything? This is going really well. You are welcome to wrap all you want. Not that kind of wrap. I meant present wrap, not like... Oh, I thought you were going to start busting out some Snoop Dogg or yeah, something like that. I definitely like didn't study that kind of music at university. <laughs> Rhythmic talking. Nonsense word making up. Anyway, so welcome to the Workshop Therapy Podcast today. And thank you for joining me on this most auspicious of occasions. You're welcome. And for your information, the episodes that you were on are usually the ones that I get the most feedback about. That's interesting. People like like hearing from you because you have a good perspective. And because we've known each other for so long, we have good rapport. Mm. It's almost like we talk all the time. It's been a long time. Yep. As you mentioned in the pre-show, we have known each other for 22 years now. Yeah, 23. And we've been married for 17. Yep. Closing in on 18 years. I know. We're getting old. I'm getting old. It's You're still almost. young. Do you remember what day you proposed to me on 18 years ago? Um, it's almost that date. It was January 5th, wasn't it? I don't know. I was hoping you remember because dates are hard for me. So you were you were trying to trap me. I'm pretty sure it was. The I'm, I am. Pretty sure. <laughs> Sorry. It was January 5th. It, was. it is now established on the digital archive record of the internet that it was January 5th. It was, but I feel like there's like, like, especially like women never forget dates. I struggle with remembering dates like way more than you do. That's not entirely true. I think there's, I struggle with remembering dates that don't mean anything to you. Like I still, I still struggle with knowing which month has 31 days. The only month that I am am solid on. Yeah, that's what I mean though. But, but that is a date and, and like my siblings birthdays, I don't. Uh, they're in the calendar. That's the only reason that I know my siblings have birthdays and when they are. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, most of your siblings are moved out by the time you can remember. It's true. They're all old grandparents now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I, I have a hard time remembering birthdays. I remember mine and I remember yours and I remember our kids. Yeah, you know the kids' birthdays. I'm fairly solid on those ones, but beyond that. And your parents and, and Hayden and stuff, you remember those ones. Yeah, but but you, you do too. And you know my nieces and nephews' birthdays and... No, I am very good. At checking Facebook? At checking Facebook, but like... And also asking people, like, kind of when things are... Like, I have a general idea of when things are coming up, but actual dates are really hard for me to remember. And it's like when teaching, I'm really good at having multiple ways of addressing children without saying their name. Because for the first few weeks, it's ridiculously hard for me to remember the names. I could tell, like, visually I can see them all. But putting a name to it is hard. So I have really good coping skills for covering that up. But like my best friend, she remembers my birthday. She remembers our kids' birthdays. I don't. And I feel like it's, I'm, for a long time, I felt a lot of guilt over it. But now I'm just like, well, it's just the way that my brain works. I just can't. And so I check Facebook or I, yeah, there's ways of getting around it and be like, oh, your birthday's coming up. What are you guys doing? When are you doing something? 
asking questions that get me the answer without them thinking that I've forgotten. Anyway. Yeah. Because no, like I love you. It took me like the first six years of our marriage to remember what date your birthday was. Really? I know it's like, I know it's in March and I know it's in the 20s. But like, even like when you were down in LA and I sent you birthday presents. Yeah, they always got there early. Yeah, because I knew it was in March. And so I just sent a present. No, I really struggled. And you did, yeah, you didn't know that. But it, it took me a lot. Like, that's why I write them on the calendar. Because a f- physical act of writing helps me to remember. But I have to have a visual calendar there. Like, having it on the phone means nothing to me. Yeah. And that is very much a, an ADD thing, though, right? Is is the... When it goes into the phone, it just vanishes versus it the... to exist. Yeah, versus when you're, when you're thinking about something and you're using a, a muscular yeah. skill as well, it reinforces the memory more so. Like using the, the writing, the, yeah. the feedback from the paper and all of that jazz at all. Helps. Yeah, I really need that. That makes but me yes. wonder actually if, if um, like those, you've seen the remarkable stuff. It's like a digital paper. Oh, yeah. I wonder how that would kind of like a doodle board but that goes into your yeah i've, I've wondered about those but if it would be it helpful. also supposedly has but, like a like a paper feel to it like a paper feedback but here's the thing and i i don't know that other people feel like this but like for me if i'm studying or in a class or whatever i use different color pens when i'm writing if i'm taking notes and all that kind of stuff and i draw a lot of pictures in it that's how i remember what things are but i also like if i close my eyes and during a test i close my eyes and i have to like flip the pages of the notes and go through them in my head so i don't know that's what i've always had hesitated with virtual things because i i can't move them i can't scroll the screen doesn't show up for me the way that papers do you, you don't see your hands reaching out and grabbing this no i so i can't turn or the flashcards like flashcards are really effective for me for short term but for short term memory stuff too i was good but i will say like once i was done that information is gone i can't retrieve it again yeah i, I don't remember a lot of stuff from university but yeah i need so yeah i need paper maybe stuff. i have add too it is potential want to go ride bikes Mm-hmm. maybe actually it's pretty nice out <laughs> yeah for january it's, or for december, december end of december crazy. almost january it's crazy it's above freezing global warming yeah. global climate change whatever it is <laughs> now happened. that's one thing i think you know as a total aside i think as canadians there's not very many canadians that are concerned about global warming as much as other areas <laughs> in the world it's not really sad that we're warmer yep oh no you mean we only have to shovel snow for two months of the year instead of six instead of six what a shame i mean that being said pollution is bad so stop polluting but anyway back to add <laughs> yeah did you have anything in particular you said you were thinking about things to talk about is there anything in particular or is that just you wanted to talk about add or do you want to talk about a recap of 2023 how everything went sure that's oh, every day like a recap thing and i was just gonna see like i kind of thought up things in and and made mental notes of things that i could talk about if it came up in conversation with you like because i replay or like past conversations and stuff to see because this is like the first time you've given me any sort of warning that it's gonna happen not just hey let's record a podcast now that's not true it may be the first one so therefore it's not the first time (laughs) you're correct um yeah this has been a relatively momentous year for us like i mean disability aside this year done a pretty significant trip I mean, 28,000 kilometers. With uh, three kids? With three kids. In this truck, not even in the, like... Yeah, not even yeah. in a, in a you know, spaced-out vehicle. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. What are the, some of the things that you learned this year? Obviously, we've been focusing more on mental health this year than ever before, I think. I yeah. Mean, 
partially because of my degree, but partially because of um, breakdowns and <laughs> breakdowns and <laughs> trying to help our kids. I think, yeah, like navigating. We've learned a lot and a lot of things that as a teacher, I thought could only be done through school, but then you have to like relearn the whole situation when it's not working for your kids and, and, and then navigating because in Canada, most things are socialized, right? But then there are some things that are still private options, but you don't, I feel like you don't grow up knowing that or almost there's like a, maybe it's like a middle-class thing, but it's almost like a, you can't pay for it or like it's wasteful to pay for it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a, there's a, it's, it's funny here in Canada with our socialized services to the extent that they are, because you get, you get a situation where you, um, at a certain level, a, a certain low income, you have more services than people who are of a higher income, but still can't afford to pay for the private services. Yeah. And so there's this funny breakdown in the middle class, which is where, where if you're, if you're poorer or if you're if you're a lower economic status you're better off than if you're a slightly higher economic status but not high enough to get to the next level if you're in that middle ground you're kind of screwed over yeah well and and that's something um like that we've noticed with our son too right because he's on a behavior problem but we weren't like we were active involved parents and it wasn't an issue and so he just kept getting pushed to the back and pushed forward along through and and when you hit those like covid times where you bring him home and you're like oh my goodness what's been going on yeah oh my goodness why why are you <laughs> why can't you add yeah why are you 10 years old and and are struggling with basic two plus two addition. So, I mean, there's things like that that you're just like, but I grew up in the school system because I'm like a child, I'm a teacher. And I grew up thinking school was... The be all and end all. Yeah. And and you school was great. And I got to do all kinds of things that other kids didn't get to do because I was at the school all the time. And, and I liked that. And I liked that environment. But then when... I think this year has been a hard mentally for me as well. I mean, it's not our first year homeschooling at all. But I think I've had to like... I think I've dealt with it more this year. Well, there's been more pressure from your Outs family. Yeah, outside. Well, and like people are in, and in town. People too. in the community, there's more pressure because, well, why isn't he in school or why aren't your other kids in school? Mm -hmm. And and it's because we're trying to do what's best for our children. And clearly the, the public school system has failed our son. And when we're noticing the same sorts of tendencies in our daughter, your daughters, yeah. you don't want to throw them to the wolves no. when you know that there's a potentially a better way to to do it. And I think that's like circling back around to what you're talking about, like the, the, the healthcare system. I really didn't understand because the way it's done here is you, your kids in school, they're struggling, they got put on the list to get an end psych if parents and teachers agree that that's what you should do. And our son was on the list for years and just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And when we talked about it with them before we pulled him out of school, they're like, oh yeah, it's going to be another three to five years before he gets seen just because he's not a behavior issue. Yeah. So at which point he's Meaning Done. he's not injuring other children. Yeah. Did he have maladaptive behaviors? 100%. But they weren't 
They weren't interfering, interfering with anybody with else. Anybody else? So he just kept getting pushed. And what I didn't understand, and I understand more now, and we're opening our eyes to, is that there are private options for educational psych assessments and stuff, and that the private option is actually a completely different test and a totally different and far superior. Yeah, evaluation process that gives you so much more information. And had I known that back when our son was like six years old, I would have done it. Yeah, and that's and that's what we even know I could do it. I thought it had to be done through the school through the social programs because that's all I knew. Yeah, and it wasn't explained. I feel anyway, well, and that's one of the reasons why we've talked about when I'm done my master's. What what the path is is am I going to be talking to to individuals and you know helping them deal with their issues or am I going to be doing other things? And one of the things that interests me is like the ed psych stuff because it, there is a need for that because it's not just about labeling your kid with a problem you know oh your kid has add or your kid has autism or your kid has this what it's about is it's about your kid has this ability or this you know they have this strength they have this weakness and here are strategies to help them excel in their strengths and minimize their weaknesses it's not about it's not about getting a label as an excuse for the problem what it's about is it's about identifying the problem and then implementing and learning strategies to help them optimize everything. Yeah, and I think like for for me, from my perspective, this year has been the first time for me to, as I've embraced that, also starting to embrace that in myself. Yeah. And, and a lot of what I felt like or had been told was quirky and weird and frustrating to other people. I'm realizing that's just the way that my brain works. It works differently and it's not better or worse and I'm not bad because of it, but there's a lot of years of damage to undo because of that. And I don't want our kids to feel that moving forward. And so I know there's lots of like millennial boomer things on the internet about your boomer parents not understanding, but like conversations with that generation is it, they just, they feel like you're wanting a label so that you have an excuse to not and that's not it. I really want to know what's going on with our son and also with myself because I want to be able to function in the best way possible for me. And I think that's where like the change has shifted for us. And I want, and we both want to be doing something that we feel more passionate about, that we feel more of a connectedness to. We want to be more involved with outdoors because that's been hard here and hard during COVID. Like lockdowns and stuff were pretty extreme here for a long time. And they're, I think... This year, and you're seeing it, lots of people were like, 2023, run away from it. It's because we're starting to deal with the fallout from all of that. And it's in kids, it's in parents, it's in seniors. Like, yeah, there's been a lot. But I think the the big takeaway for me is to not be so afraid of going a different path than what other people want you to go. Yeah, that's, and I know we've talked about that in the past too, is how often have we made decisions based on, on perceived real or perceived social pressure from family or, or friends versus making a decision and moving forward on a path that we want to do. Yeah. You know, and and I know like partially my my initial second degree to go up down to Portland and and do chiropractic school. I, I don't regret that at all. No. Uh, there's there's aspects of it I regret, like the fact that I'm on disability because of the job. <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, but some of the experiences that we had there and the friends that we made are are irreplaceable. That. Yeah. And and I think our relationship grew really strong during that time because that's when we had our son and we were alone and we had to rely on each other yeah yeah we didn't have a family support structure and no and uh yeah 
But one of my main takeaways from 2023, I think, is is taking action and doing the things that we want to do versus letting them, putting them off until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, something that I've always wanted to do since as long as I can remember is is go to places like Tuk Tuk, you know, like for, for no other reason than they are remote. Yeah. And, and, uh, you don't love people. Well, I, I can take or leave people. I don't mind people, but I'm not energized by crowds like some people are, but I'm also not, I mean, as much as I play the hermit, I'm not a hermit. <laughs> like I can talk to people and I, I enjoy talking to people, but I don't need that as a, as a thing. But for me more, it's, it's about the wildness and about the possibility of the wildness more so than then there's no people, right? Like when you're when, yeah, when you're like in a seeing nature in its raw form. Yeah, like like looking out of our window here is what I'm thinking. We we're we're in a corner lot, and our our lot comes to a point at a four way stop, and on each of the four corners, I guess it's not a four way stop. There is it. It's a T intersection. But on each of the sides, yeah, there's a house, and and moving out from there, there's a grid of evenly spaced houses or relatively evenly spaced houses with evenly spaced trees and evenly spaced fence posts and and the the possibility for for movement and for freedom is constrained to that grid. Yeah. Whereas when you're in somewhere that's wild, there is no constraint, right? There is a if you want to go that direction you can go that direction. If you want to change your direction, you can go the other direction. And and as much as I like hiking in the national parks and stuff like that, to some extent I get frustrated there too because because you are constrained to a predetermined path for the most part. Yeah. You know, and that's that's where one of my favorite memories from being in Jasper is when we stopped alongside the road. <laughs> and hiked out to that random waterfall. Yeah, and hiked out to that random waterfall that we caught a, a glimpse of through the trees and Obviously, people had been there before, but it was not a designated location. Yeah, it wasn't on any trail maps. Yeah, it wasn't on a trail map, and so it was just a it was just a place that we went and found. And and, and not that it was a spectacular waterfall, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was it was up there on on the ones that are readily available in in Jasper. And mm-hmm. and then another favorite hiking memory is when we. When we hiked up um, Dead Horse or Lost Horse, whatever it is, I think it's Dead Horse Canyon in Waterton. Yeah. You know, we we stopped at the site and then decided or stopped at a at a pullout, and then there's no trails aside from a little one down to the shore of the of the creek, and then we decided to walk up the creek, and and it turns out that what two hundred yards up the creek, three hundred yards maybe, not that far. There's spectacular red rock canyons yeah you know? and and the destination on that road is the red rock canyon and i would hands down say that the yeah the lost horse canyon was far more spectacular than the one that you actually go to yeah and there was all those butterflies landing yeah the kids loved it and there was nobody there so so the nature was more nature was there wildness was there, was there. and and I found on our on our trip, like we, I I, I wanted to stop. Um, one of the, one of the patrons here, the Grant Alexander. Uh, I wanted to stop and and say chat and chat with him at, at one on our trip, and I'd I'd kind of half arranged it, but then we ended up changing our course and and bypassing where he was. But I don't regret bypassing the cities and exploring the wild side of Canada. Yeah, because the reality of most cities is. They're they're all the same. 
they they each have their own specific thing. Like Montreal is different from Ottawa, which is different from Toronto. But for the most part, you're constrained to the pre-existing grid that's there. And and you go to the same restaurants. And yes, there's museums with, with different artifacts in them, but they're, you know, all the same. Yeah. Whereas the wild, <laughs> the wild, uh, it just feels like there's more possibility and more freedom. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe that comes down to the ADD in my head too, that, you know, being constrained to a desk and, and stuff. And that's probably one of my biggest frustrations with, with being a chiropractor is that I am constrained to an office. I'm not, I'm not free to, to work from wherever I am. I have to be at X place at X time for X patient. Whereas going into the mental health field, particularly with the rise of telehealth post COVID, I'm, I'm much more free to to see you in your home and I'll see you from my home or if I happen to be on the road somewhere I can still have the same office visit yeah it opens up possibilities in a different way than we had before and I think you know I think taking that time with our kids this time that we can never like I don't regret any of it no I mean we sold the car to do it but and sometimes is that hard right now because we're not in a position to buy a second vehicle? Yeah, largely because I'm a lot shorter than you and the truck is really big for me. And I don't love like trying to get the kids into the car seat. I have to like physically climb into the vehicle to do it because it can't reach. And so it makes things, there's things like that that I can get like caught in that loop of frustration and angst. And this isn't where we plan to be at 40 years old. And I don't know how many times we've said that this year, right? Like this is not where we saw ourselves at all. Yeah. And how Having to make that pivot and switch, there's been a lot of mentally very difficult days. Yeah. And I know that we're not alone in feeling this. And I know that the the depressions for both of us have been dark and things have been really difficult. And I had a conversation with somebody and I was talking to them about it. And they're like, well, I hope you didn't let your kids see any of that. And I, I had pause because I was like, what do you mean? Because I know that they've seen it. We're, we're together in the house all day. How can they not see it? And she's like, well, you don't, you never want your kids to see that you've gone through those things. And I said, but if they've never seen me go through it, how are they going to get through it? Yeah. If they've never seen you go through it, then how do they know how to go through it? Yeah. It's, it's a new thing and it's an overwhelming thing for and them because... Because that's how I feel. I didn't see my parents go through this or deal with this, these things and I don't know how to do it. And I feel angst and overwhelm and frustration and depression and all of those things because I don't know how to do it and I don't know how to navigate the system to get help yeah. and it's frustrating and so I think I think we do a disservice when we try and hide it I mean we've been through lots of things this year including um uh, we've been through lots like including my brother and sister-in-law losing their first baby and and going through and explaining that to the six-year-old who understands enough to know something bad happened yeah like that it was bad and hard and then having the two-year-old being still talking about baby penny's gonna come and we're like well she can't come you know and explaining that and dealing with that like there's been some really or or yesterday asking if she can kill uncle scott (laughs) yeah right like she doesn't get it you don't understand what that means and putting our dog down and like there's been a lot this year that has just been hard yeah and then and then and then you stop and think about it and you struggle that there's the other struggle of you know we're 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 quite blessed at the same time you know like yeah like we have a 
strong and happy marriage. At least I think we do. Yeah, we do. We have, uh, um, you know, we're we're not living in Gaza right now. <laughs> you know, we're not living in Ukraine. We're we live in a free country, relatively free, as much as we complain about stuff and yeah. and as much as we you know frustrated with the Canadian medical system and and the help that way. The flip side of that though too is is we're not still in debt from Owen being born at 30 weeks. Yeah, the the $250,000 bill from Owen being born is not not our burden. Uh which is which is amazing. Yeah, but I think you have to give yourself permission to feel the hard as well. Yeah, because if you don't if you don't accept the fact that yes, there are some hard things in your life, then you just keep pushing yourself to be like, "Oh, but these are so great." Yes, you do need to count your blessings and see that positive, but you also need to feel the pain to see the positive. Yeah, you can't you can't know sweet without knowing some bitter. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think too much like our 90s raising was that's when it started being like, oh, nobody can lose at this race and everybody moves forward. And, and yeah. there wasn't a lot of bad. Yeah. No, bad is bad is bad. And we should avoid bad because bad yeah. doesn't do any good. And that's not true because because resistance is what builds strength. But then I feel like like since we moved out and it was like 9-11 was our first year of university. That was like the first. It was like in our first week of university with 9-11. And I remember like picking up the paper and seeing it all in. And whatever, like, I just feel like it's just been a downhill spiral since. But but at the same time, it isn't, though, too, because there are lots of there are, there are lots, lots of, of statistics that. Yeah. You know, but well, if you look at like us compared to like my parents generation, they didn't have to deal with that until they were like done raising kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, I was talking to my dad prior to prior to going off on disability. And I was talking about how stressful things were economically at that time. And because because my hands were going downhill at that point, and Your so have been going downhill for and years, so but, yeah. it was you know I was limiting work, and so we were just kind of getting by. we were getting by, but just and so it was stressful, and and that's when my dad talked about to me, he's like, well, you're in a better economic position than I was at your age, and it 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 blew my mind because you didn't know I didn't know that you know when I was 13 when I was my son's age my parents were just about bankrupt that's why we moved and sold our big farm and bought a smaller one is because they were in the you know they were in the middle of of extremely high interest rates and they were paying for the ranch I think they were paying something on the order of $50,000 a year just in interest payments you know yeah. and, and so that it just wasn't sustainable and but I didn't know that and partially it's frustrating for me because my like you said your parents never demonstrated that they had difficulties and so so when I was going through a similar difficulty or a stressful time I didn't realize that my parents had experienced these same things and so or or similar things and so you you feel isolated and alone yeah yeah and I think there's very much like in in talking to both sets of our parents and and some of your older siblings there's very much the attitude well you just have to you just have to suck it up and get through and I think there's a very much like millennial generation you just don't suck it up you just you know you whine and you have therapy yeah because we can't there isn't anything to I don't know what you mean I want to mean to say but it's it's also that we're recognizing that we need to raise kids in a different way and to do things in a different way and 
and I don't, and looking at our parents, the sucking it up, they may think they're fine, but they're not. They yeah. have things to deal with. They've just done it in a different way. And just, that's every generation, right? Yeah. Like every generation is going to do it in a different way. And giving each other grace to do it that way, I think it's really important. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's, that's where going back to like the counter blessings and focus on the positive and all that type of stuff. You're, you're not going to get rid of the negatives no. by doing that. But what you are going to do is you're going to change and reframe your focus into, you know, yes, there are bad things, but look at how this is helping me experience the, the, the bitter is helping define the, the sweet. Yeah. That's where like watching your cooking shows and stuff with you. Sometimes I always, um, I'm struck by the fact that, that people like acids and bases are, are bitter right yeah but in order to highlight the sweet and the, the sugar and stuff you have to add the acid to mm-hmm. it you have to add the um you have to add the things that counterpoint the the things you want to highlight yeah and i think it's the that's kind of like the the mortal experiences we we meet resistance we meet difficulty and you can either allow that to break you down or you can allow that to highlight. But yeah, and in that though, be okay with there being a time where it is going to break you. Because not feeling the break, I think, is what leads to the narcissism. Yeah. I think... Ignoring the break. Yeah, and, and you want to dull everything so that you can't feel that. I think acknowledging like that this year has been hard. That, yeah, we, there's been great times and we were able to cross the country and we've spent more time with our kids as, as a whole family than we ever have gotten to before. There's been some wonderful things like that. But there's been some really tough times, um, like mentally, physically, financially. This, I've been on massive amounts of antihistamines because of an allergic reaction that I don't get to see an allergy specialist until next June for, right? Like there's, and, and it makes it difficult. And there's our son's got health concerns as well that have been elevated this year and things like that. But I think when I try, I think when I get the most down and my anxiety and depression get the worst is when I'm trying not to feel those things. And I think when you're, you can turn it and you can go to the shop or for me, go to my art or to my sewing or whatever my dopamine hit of the day is, I can change that into something else and I can channel it out and I can allow myself to feel it because I think I've spent so many years running from the feeling. The feel feeling it is scary. I don't like feeling it, but not feeling it isn't the answer. Yeah. And you you talk to people who who become addicted to drugs or alcohol or, or you know have substance abuse problems and lots of times it is it is a running from the yeah. From the negative feelings. You know, I feel good when I do this thing and I feel bad when I don't. And it, and it becomes a problem. But I uh, <clears throat> wrote something last night. I was thinking of reading. Well, um, see what you see what yeah. you say. I titled it Staring into the Abyss. I heard I titled it. I was like, what's a tuttle? Okay. I titled, titled it. it. Okay. <laughs> Staring into the Abyss. <laughs> I was all excited to find out what a tuttle was. Tuttle in the abyss. Okay, sorry. We often hear the phrase hindsight is twenty twenty. The implication is that we are able to see our past clearly, and with that clear picture, we are able to chart the consequences of the choices we made and see how those outcomes have created the people we are now. Here's the flip side of that coin. Foresight is often blindfolded. Unfortunately, we can't see the future, and often our predictions feel like wild flailing in the dark. What do we do when we need to make a decision but we don't know what's next? 
It can be intimidating stepping into the dark. You don't know if there's a floor there, or if there's a hole, or maybe even a step up. The thing is, you can't find out until you take the step. Many of us have heard of Schrodinger's cat. For those of you who haven't, I'll describe it. Erwin Schrodinger was a Nobel Prize winning Austrian physicist born in August 12, 1887. He's best known for his groundbreaking contributions to quantum mechanics which is the branch of physics that deals with the behavior of particles at the subatomic and the atomic levels. Schrodinger's cat is a thought experiment he devised in 1935 to illustrate the principles of quantum mechanics, specifically the con concept of superposition. In the thought experiment, a cat is placed in a sealed box along with a radioactive atom, a Geiger counter, and a vial of poison, and a hammer. If the Geiger counter detects radiation, indicating that the atom has decayed, the hammer is released, breaking the vial of poison, causing the death of the cat. According to the principles of quantum mechanics, before the box is opened and the system is observed, the atom exists in a superposition of a decayed and undecayed states simultaneously. This implies that until it's observed, the cat is both alive and dead at the same time, existing in a superposition of states. It highlights the peculiar nature of quantum systems where particles can exist in multiple states until observed, collapsing into a definite state upon measurement. Often, when we stare into the abyss of the future, we don't know that if, if the proverbial cat is alive or dead, we don't know what will happen when we take that step. Are we going to step into a hole, or are we going to climb the stairs? Just like Schrodinger's cat, we don't know until we open the box and look in. The thing is, standing still and wondering what is going to happen isn't going to change what will happen. And in fact, if anything, it's likely to decrease the odds of it going right. So I wrote that last night. It was one of my, um, it began with one of my random shower ponderings as I'm taking my shower. I seem to get to my most philosophical state at that point. But Because you just stand out of the hot water for like half an hour. And it's lovely mm -hmm. and relaxing and it makes my hands feel better. Yeah, well, I can't because it just makes my rash worse. What do you think? Staring into the abyss. The abyss is scary. Well, no, but, but it is. I, I know. I, and I like that point because it's both alive and not at the same time. But it, until you do something, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And I, I feel like, especially with COVID, we've been so afraid of what the outcome of our actions is that a lot of us have frozen. Yeah, well, that doesn't do any good for no. you or for me or for anybody else to be to be stationary. And, and I think, you know, you, you look around, again, going back to our earlier conversation about wildness, there's, there's nothing in the wilderness that's stationary. You know, as much as, no. you know, trees don't move, the wind is constantly stressing them. And when you're, when you're walking through a forest that you've never been before, you can tell by looking at the trees what direction the prevailing wind is. Especially in southern Alberta. Actually, yeah, especially in southern Alberta. You know, I mean, wind... largely because there's only one tree. Yeah, but... and all the all the leaves are blown off one side. Yeah. But but you can tell because the trees are, grow in a certain way in response to the stress that's placed upon them. And 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 when things are in a in a homeostatic situation where nothing is changing, that's usually something's wrong. Something's not healthy about that situation. So how do we move forward? Because the decision paralysis is real. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that when you make a decision, you can always make a different decision later down, on down the path. Yeah. You know, just because you've committed to a certain path doesn't mean you have to continue that path to the end. If the path isn't working for you, you can you can stop and you can retrace your steps back to the last turning point and then pick a different path. Or even 
you know, again with the wildness, you can stop on that path and then you can just jump off the path. You know, you can, there's nothing saying that you have to stay on the path that you've chosen because of whatever. You yeah. Know, there's the, the pressure, the pressure to stay on that path is often perceived pressure not really there yeah and, and and people who are people who want you to stay on that path instead of pursue the path that you want to pursue generally have an agenda of their own and they're trying to use your your path to their benefit yeah no i'd agree with that you know the the boss who wants you to stay at work even though you want to do something else he's not interested in your happiness he's in, interested in his productivity yeah um and i think that's a big shift like in our generation too is i don't want to put all of my hours in a day working and then retire and my kids are far away and i have no relationship with them yeah my our family is the most important thing to me our children are the most important thing to me yeah and yeah i could go back to work teaching right now and we would be financially fine it would be a couple of struggling months like getting you through school financially we'd be be, much better positioned than we are currently yeah but at the same time we if i do that i'm telling our son he's going back to school to where he's bullied and hurt and not accepted and doesn't understand and struggles and i can't do it and so we're trying to figure out different ways and i think that that's a misconception a lot of people is like oh you just want to work from home so you don't have to go to work no i want to work from home so i can help my kids develop the skills that they need to be successful in the world because the reality is i mean we haven't found out the official stuff yet but our son is neurotypical he's not the same as other kids neurodiverse he's or neurodiverse. not, he's he's not, not neurotypical. neurotypical and um, but that speaks to how many people actually are neurotypical, you know? <laughs> neurotypical is an average of everybody. Yeah. It's not, there isn't, nobody's neurotypical, you know? But like, okay, so you look on the internet, I was thinking about this yesterday. You look and there's people who are embracing dressing like Edwardian Victorians and all kinds of, you know, like Victorian era or Edwardian era, or they dress like, live like they're in the 50s with all 50s appliances and everything. There's a child knocking at the door. <laughs> We're back. Okay, so I think my point, if I can remember, which is asking a lot, is that people are more embracing of different styles and different ways of being whether that be good or bad or whatever than they were when we were kids and we very much grew up in a like i feel like perfectionist you fit this mold so you do this thing so you move that way and as we're trying to like break that or remold it not necessarily break it so creating a life that you want not like a life that you felt like you were pushed into and I, I feel blessed in lots of ways that I feel like we're on the same page with that. And we um, both support each other and the desire to be involved with our kids together. And that your role as dad is just as important as my role as mom. And that together we are the best for our parent, uh, parents for our kids, right? And together we are better for our kids than if they just had me or they just had you. And so I feel like as we move into 2024... I want to make goals and things that will help us to be stronger and and me specifically to be strong enough to stand up when people say, why are you doing that? Or that's not the best thing for him. Or why is he on medication or whatever that I'm strong enough to say, because these are the choices that we are making as a family. And, and these are the choices that we feel are the best. And we have done our research and we have looked into the options and legitimately have and have a lot of education behind both of us to say 
that this is the best fit for our family. Is homeschooling for every family? No. Absolutely not. But for our family, this is the best fit. Would I love to find more homeschooling groups and get the kids more involved in other activities and stuff? For sure. And we're working on that as two introverted people trying to... Well, I think that's one of the one of the ironies, though, of our society currently um, kind of tying things together is, is is there is a more div- more acceptance of diversity. Yes. But only when it fits into the mold. Of what they deem diverse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, for sure. Like as long as you're as long as you're fitting into the grid pattern of the city, then you can be diverse. And so as a, as a result, we have this situation where where diversity is accepted, but only if you're diverse in a certain way. And so you you're still constrained to the same yeah the same path that you were before you're just allowed to wear different clothes or call yourself different pronouns yeah but but you're you're still constrained to that path of wake up in the morning go to work we've been joined by our youngest guest ever good job um anyway what was i saying we're constrained to the path of of go to work come home watch tv repeat over and over and over buy the things eat but yeah yeah buy the things that are marketed to you you know eat the eat the doordash you're you're stuck in this we're still stuck in the pattern of of exchange your time for money so you can survive instead of exchange your time for things that bring you joy and happiness in your life but you're allowed to be happy because wearing a top hat to work is diversity or calling yourself Steve or Stephanie it becomes a situation where how you identify yourself is how you can be unique not necessarily what your actions are those your actions don't create your uniqueness your identity does and so yeah. you can be it's okay to be diverse by wearing Edwardian clothes to your bank job and calling yourself Rosebeam Moonshine or whatever. But the important part is that you still go to your job at the bank. So that hasn't changed. That doesn't give you fulfillment. But wearing the top hat does and that's okay. Yeah. And, and not that there's anything wrong with working at a bank or or, or, go, or wearing a top hat or calling yourself Steve or Susan. Who cares? But but there but there's also nothing wrong with saying I want to stay home and homeschool my kids because that's what works better for them. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with a parent understanding their child better than the teacher at school. Yeah, especially when they're especially when their parent happened to be a teacher at school and their other parent happens to be a freaking doctor with neuroscience degrees. You know, that's and I think that's something that we've confronted a lot this year is is the fact that well, you should have your kids and, and we're getting advice from people who well you know they need socialization blah 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 they need this they need that like i've seen your children i've seen your children number one <laughs> not my kids socialize like your children yeah well and, and number two like you work as a computer consultant and there's nothing wrong with that but i have a degree in behavioral neuroscience i have a physical medicine degree i have a functional medicine degree i i'm working on a master's in psychology my wife has an early childhood education degree she has you know yeah we're eminently more qualified to have an opinion than than somebody who works 
as a as a geek squad like as you like rant out on this i think maybe the biggest thing is to learn to learning to trust our instincts and to let the opinions of others be just that opinions of others and i can take them and i can hold them and think that they're the most important thing and then that can disrupt our lives and i've let that happen before or i can take them i can look at them find what i find value or need in and let go of what doesn't Mm-hmm. And and that's the flip side of my rant, though, too, is that you don't have to have you don't have to have a degree in behavioral neuroscience to to make a decision about your behavior. But, you know, you you have experienced your life. You know what experiences going back to, you know, staring into the abyss. Your hindsight's twenty twenty. You can analyze your past and you can understand why you are the way you are and where you're at. And that makes you the most qualified person to make your decisions. Yeah, and I think like moving forward as we, um, you know, let other people make their decisions too because they are their decision, then that all almost gives us the freedom to do it for ourselves. And I think that's really important to just not get so stuck for me um, and realize that our life experiences and the things that we have gone through shape our opinions of things. And, and it's totally different for every person. Um, we've had a couple of people that we know have preterm babies in the last little while. But all of them, besides my brother and sister-in-laws who passed, um, have been older than Owen was. And I had this conversation with your mom when she was here. And, and she's like, oh, yeah, this he's this, the, the baby was born at 34 weeks, I think, 33 weeks, something. Anyway, and it's like, oh, look at how tiny he was. And Owen was so much bigger. And I was like, Owen was three weeks earlier. Owen didn't even look human. You know, like this little guy was breathing. He was able to get his, his suck reflex going. Our son still eats like a crazy person because everything just goes straight down his throat. He's like a reptile. Yeah. Like, so there's things, um, but your parents weren't around. Nobody saw him that way. Uh-huh. Like we were alone in that journey. And, um, and and something that I've dealt with the last couple of weeks is realizing that you were there, but you were also at school full time. And I was alone in a lot of it and saw things and dealt with things that nobody else had to. Uh-huh. And that's where... And as we've pushed bound or pushed boundaries, but have pursued um, private testing and figuring out what's going on with our son a lot of that has come up for me and been difficult to deal with and then as we've as I've shared it with you and we've talked together it's helped me a lot and I appreciate that you haven't tried to push a just move on or whatever like you've been really supportive of yeah that was hard and what you were doing was hard because you couldn't be with him too and there so there there was different hard in that but I think that as I think that that's for a lot of couples you can let it like bring you together or pull you apart yeah, and that's kind of going back to my point that that you are the expert on you. Yeah. Nobody else is. I mean, doesn't matter how many degrees I have, I still don't know your experience. You can tell me your experience, but again, that's that's subjective to your what you're communicating to me and and you can't possibly remember or communicate everything that has affected you. And so I'm still not an expert on you. Yeah. So you're the expert on you. You're the one that can make your decisions. And yes, other people may have valid opinions and they may they may give you information and and suggestions that you hadn't thought of that are beneficial. However, ultimately, the decision to act lies with you. Yes. There is no there, there is no 
abdication of personal responsibility. You can't, you know, uh, uh, refusing to act because you're uncomfortable is just as bad or just as negative or detrimental to you as as letting somebody else act on your behalf. Yeah. So then, like, to circle that all back around and what we talked about, 2024 is act. I think that's got to be, like, our word. Act. Don't sit. Act. Be in the pain. If it's painful, be there. Yep. Go through it. Seek the help that you need. Don't be afraid to get help. Don't be afraid to reach out to people in this community of listeners for help, for advice. But remember that ultimately, like you just said, it's you because you have the experiences that's unique to you and the background that nobody else understands. And and also you are unique to you, but there are a a community of people who support you in being you too. Yeah. And and they're not if somebody if somebody is trying to turn you into something that you're not, they're not they're not worth your time. No. If the and that's one of the things that I've like I like about the community that's developing around this podcast and the the community that has developed in my social media is, is that willingness to support people in their journey, not a willingness to give you a roadmap. Yeah. Uh, because there isn't a map for anyone. No. The, there's there, there's one sure destination and we're all going to reach, achieve it. <laughs> Having just read A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yeah. There's one destination and we're all going to get there. We're all going to get there at different times and we're all going to take different paths to get there. But we're going to get there nonetheless. And and it's important in the meantime to, to not fall into the trap of being acted upon. Yep. Uh, Anyway, do you have anything else that you want to wrap up with? Or do you feel like we've... <laughs> I think it's been ranty and crazy enough like it usually is when I'm on. Um, no, I, I think, yeah, just moving into January, we're just trying to set goals that are attainable, smart goals, right? Yeah. Specific, attainable, attainable or actionable, measurable. measurable. What's the R for? Something important. Yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, set smart goals. <laughs> yeah. Um, specific, measurable, attainable. Um, time T is time and something are so no shoot i had a whole i don't know week of my whole module on this anyway smart goals are important yeah i don't know but but yeah and include your kids in the process if you have kids or include your spouse include your community seek for help because i think that's what we've lost a lot of in the last couple years find connection yeah as much as as much as you are the person who is in charge of your destination and your destiny um you don't have to do it alone yeah find the people who are going to elevate you and i was going to say on the smart goal thing i actually like the acronym save better Yeah, specific and attainable are the same thing. But then we have valuable and elevating as goals because you can have a smart goal that's not valuable or elevating. It's useless. Like you can have a smart goal of of I'm going to pick up one rock and drop it in a in a pile every day for six months. And that's a specific attainable goal. But you can have but but it, it it's not motivating. Yeah. Um you can have a, a save goal of the same thing. You can have the pick up the rock and drop it in a certain place every day, but it's valuable because of the exercise it gives you and it's elevating because of the improvement that you get out of that strength or whatever. Um, so I like I like save as a goal. Okay. So let's save your goals. Let's save your goals. And just because I have ADD and there was a squirrel in this conversation, smart means specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. Realistic. That's the R. There you go. I kept thinking repeatable, but I knew I was wrong. I heard repetitive. Repetitive. But I like... <laughs> I like that's not right. 
I like save better because it's valuable and like elevating because at the end of the goal, you should be improved. So you've been elevated and it has brought value to your life. So if anything in this podcast has brought value to your life, share it. Exactly. Yeah. Share it with somebody and, um, and, and talk to it. talk about things that have come up for you with somebody. Yeah. And I would love if you're a listener and you want to share your your goal for the new year with us, send it to questions at workshoptherapypodcast.com. And, you know, we can we can talk about it. And if you want if you want your name attached to it, but say, hey, share this with everybody. So I I'm held accountable. Yeah. Um, and let's uh, let's spend the time in this coming year of supporting each other and getting better. Uh, and that's one of the things that I'm going to I'm going to shout out the workshop therapy po- or not the workshop therapy podcast, because that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Working Hands podcast. Yeah. And in let's see, today's Friday. So on Wednesday, they're going to be announcing what their 2024 Make What You Fear project or parameters are. And so I I think that's a that's something that's worthy of a save goal because it's 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 valuable and elevating. You know, it's 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 a self improvement thing. And and I appreciate their yearly uh, challenge to do that. So go over. I know most of you who listen to this are listeners of their podcast as well. So so go over and make sure you participate in that. And as our final uh, thank you for the year, I'm going to have my my wonderful wife read off our list of patrons. Okay. And I just want to say a special thank you to the most recent two. I don't believe that I uh, I thanked Tony Woodland of Woodland Iron for coming on as a patron. Uh, so thank you for that. And the most recent patron just a few days ago, uh, Earl Two. Oh, except he in Patreon he has Earl Three. Yeah, it's Earl Three on Instagram. It's Earl Three dot X Y Z or Z if you're American, which is wrong. It's X Y Z. <laughs> But anyway, do you want to uh, say thank you to all of our patrons, starting at the bottom of the list there? Okay, so I want to read the black part? Yep. Okay. Just Brad at Brad's Customs, Keith Drennan at Blackthorn Concepts, Brandon Millichamp at Tectonic Creations, The Grant Alexander, Carol Ann Jeanette Racine. Racine at Overall Maker Works, Waffle Beaver, ButtJoints.com at John's, uh, Miguel Angel Viella, I'm sorry, I am not good at sounding things out, Phonics is not my strong suit, um, Adam, Adam Kuhnrat, yep. AJ Camarto, Camarado, okay, there we go, um, Woodland Iron, and Earl Three. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the support. It really does mean a lot. It does mean that we can make this podcast, that I can make this podcast. It does mean that I can share the information that I learn in in my course. And, and it does help develop a community that hopefully maintains supportive supportness <laughs> of, of everybody. I don't have some education behind my word choices. Anyway. Thank you for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you in the new year. I think it's going to be a little bit different in the new year, but hopefully it's just as entertaining and and as elevating. So if you have something that stuck out to you from here, please share it on your social medias. Tag me in it, and uh, I'll make sure it gets shared to mine as well. And with that... I won't share it to mine because I don't share anything to mine. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't even know what her social media is, so... <laughs> I know what it is. I look at stuff, but I just don't. Yeah. I'm busy with kids all day. It's true. Yep. Anyway. So thank you for that. Happy New Year. 
Happy New Year. It's just a quick reminder because I forgot to mention it in the main show, but there's still time to support on Patreon if you want a chance to win the brass hammer I've been making, or a brass hammer. Anyway, so head on over to Patreon. Any level of member is entered to win and support there. Also, if you want to leave a review, that would be appreciated. Or feel free to send questions to Workshop Therapy Podcast. Questions at workshoptherapypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And just a quick reminder because I forgot to mention it in the main show, but there's still time to support on Patreon if you want a chance to win the brass hammer I've been making, or a brass hammer. Anyway, so head on over to Patreon. Any level of member is entered to win and support there. Also, if you want to leave a review, that would be appreciated. Or feel free to send questions to Workshop Therapy Podcast questions at workshoptherapypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I want to say thank you to the founding fathers of the Workshop Therapy Podcast. The OG founding father, Mr. Argiano Serio, Just Brad of Brad's Customs, Mr. Keith Drennan of Blackthorn Concepts, Mr. Brandon Millichamp of Tectonic Creations, and the Grant Alexander. I want to say a special thank you to those five as the original founding patron members. Their support started this podcast and provided the needed drive to help share the important message of maker mental health. If you found value in this podcast, I'd invite you to head over to Patreon and support there to help us continue to bring content and hopefully improve and bring more valuable content to you in the future. Thank you.